is good, even if this is all unexpected, like we would not even have dreamed last Sunday that things would have escalated to the point where they are this week. I was in the, the grocery store on Friday, along with everybody else in the neighborhood, it seemed like, and there was just a very somber mood, very solemn, as if like everybody was uh, heading to a funeral. Um, and so we're not taking this lightly what's happening city and our nation impacting nations and, and so that's why we've chose to, to meet online this week to go digital um, instead of gathering at the Dahlia um, and if, if your mind this week has gone to um, like to a dark place like maybe all of the, um, the apocalypse movies have come to mind the, the Mad Max or the um, Contagion Walking Dead, you're not alone. You're not alone if you've thought, like, walked into the grocery store and there's no toilet paper uh, and, and other things are, are missing, the shelves are bare. Um, but in spite of all that, as we say, we believe that, that God is good and that we have hope in, in the midst of that. Um, and we've been, in the, in the previous weeks, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer and going through that, uh, each phrase. And I thought this week we might take a different direction. Then as I was looking at the Lord's Prayer again, I was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe in fact, what we need is the Lord's Prayer, uh, just to, to meditate on it, um, to, to breathe it in. And so if you know the Lord's Prayer, uh, would, you, would you just say it with me as we, we begin our, our time together and, and pray it as well. Would you just pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 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 Well, for the next few weeks at least, at least through the end of March, and then we'll see after that, uh, we're going to meet like this digitally, and we're going to modify our, our gatherings. We won't be at the, the Dahlia campus. It's just too too great of a, a risk. Uh, and there's just there's a lot of information out there, um, and it's hard to know like what is, what is accurate, what is not. And, and, and just from the, the things that I've read and from the experts that I've, I've seen talk about it, uh, they talked about the need for us to create some social distance uh, because the, the virus is going to continue to spread and, and if it and if it increases exponentially then then our hospitals and our healthcare system won't be able to keep up with sickness and just caring for for regular sickness and, and so uh, what we're trying to do and instead of having this, this spike is we're trying to have the, the curve uh, lower and so uh, we're meeting like this not out of fear not the churches aren't doing it out of fear, but, but out of love, out of love. Um, and so we, we want to practice social distancing, and we want to serve and love one another well. And we want to bring hope uh, to our neighborhood. Obviously, uh, gathering as a church digitally is not, it's not ideal. Um, there, there is something about the human touch, that human connection. My, uh, my brother-in-law has been in the military for a number of years and has... Um, has served a number of tours overseas, and through technology, he's been able to keep in touch 
with his family via uh, video, but it's not the same. It's not the same as being in one another's presence, being in the presence of his, of his family, of hugging one another. Um, and so I want to challenge all of us as a church to, to be incredibly intentional about contacting one another. Maybe it's not face-to-face, but uh, picking up the phone, checking in, shooting a, a text message. Um, but just so we're, we're checking in with one another, uh, especially with our, we have a number of, of seniors in our, in our church, and we want to make sure we're, we're loving them. And so uh, if you are a senior in our church, please, please, if you need anything, uh, reach out to us, um, connect with us on, on Facebook, shoot us an email, call me. We want to make sure that we are serving one another well. Um, and so even, even during this time, like we've never done this before, but we want this to be an interactive time. So as you're going, as we're going through this, feel free to, to post a prayer request in the comments. Uh, feel free to post something, a shared need that you have, uh, questions, put it all in there. It's, it's all right. Uh, critiques, well, you can, you can put those in there. It's fine. That's fine. Well, I, I, we can take it. We can take it. Um, suggestions, those are those are good, and we'll try as you're, um, as you're commenting to, to respond in, in kind. And, and if you are a, a guest, um, checking us out on, on social media, we have a, a digital connect card that you can, you can check out. Uh, it'll be down in the links. You can click on that. It's just a way for us to connect with you. Um, we don't um, overflow your inbox with, with junk mail. Uh, we just want to get to know you a little bit. And, and for everybody who does uh, fill out an online connect card. We will donate $5 to, to stop human trafficking on your behalf. It's something we do every week. It's, it's part of, of who we are, our DNA as a church. Um, so every Sunday, make sure to check in on Facebook. We'll be, we'll be going live. And then our community groups, we normally have dinner groups and we have meetups, uh, meet around at coffee shops. For the next few weeks, we're going to put those on hold as well. Uh, but we still want to connect. And so we're creating some online community groups on Tuesday nights, Thursday mornings, of opportunities for you to, uh, to get on uh, a smaller video conference, just a chance to, to check in, to pray with one another, and again, make sure we're, um, we're caring for each other well. And we'll have that uh, information online and, and on our Facebook page as well. Um, but just for a couple minutes, and, and normally on, on Sundays I teach for a bit longer, but through the medium of a video, I understand it's not quite as... Uh, Quite as exciting. We do have some, a few people in the room, and uh, there they are. There they are. Yes, yes. Um, and so, um, so they're going to get the amens at times. They might clap at times. Uh, again, trying to make it more interactive. Uh, but the, the Lord's Prayer, we prayed it earlier. It's Matthew chapter six, and we've been reading through different uh, translations, different versions of the Lord's Prayer. And today, as we get started, I want to read from the complete Jewish Bible, just to give us a different take on the Lord's Prayer. And it begins like this. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. You, therefore, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the food we need today. Forgive us what we have done wrong, as we too have forgiven those who have wronged us. And do not lead us into hard testing, but keep us safe from the evil one. For kingship, power, and glory are yours forever. Amen. 
And one of the reasons we're going through the Lord's Prayer is because it's, it's become common, familiar, and, and sometimes we don't stop to think about what we are, what we're saying, what we're praying. In particular, in verse 13, it says, Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. In every major translation, whether it's NIV or King James Version or the ESV or NASB or BYOB, um, that's, that's, that's not one. That's not one. Um, but all of them translate that phrase as lead us not into temptation. Think, think about those words. Is God in the habit of leading us into temptation? Like, is he out in front of us plotting our demise? Lead us not into temptation. Um, and, and again, we, we, we pray this weekly at, at our church. We say this together as, as a corporate fellowship. And lead us not into temptation. Uh, and, and to answer that question, does God lead us into temptation? One thing that, that Bible teachers will, will tell you is that it's always a good idea to interpret Scripture by Scripture. So if you have a Scripture that's not quite sure, like pull back. Well, what do other Scriptures, uh, what do other books in the Bible say about that? And, and so in the book of James, James was an early um, follower of Jesus, became a leader in the church after Jesus died and was resurrected. And James wrote a letter, and he writes in James chapter 1, verse 13, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. But that first part says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. So, and I think this verse makes it clear that God doesn't tempt us in, in trying to get us to sin. I mean, God is the one who has redeemed us. He is the one who, who encourages us in, in the ways of holiness and seeking after him and, and goodness. And he's, he's not the one that's going to incite us to go against him. And so if that is true, that God is not tempting us to sin, then we need to take a closer look at lead us not to temptation. And, and I think we can, we can get an idea and what Jesus is trying to, to help us pray here, uh, the, the word that's translated as temptation has a, a fuller meaning than just a one-for-one -one translation. Like there's sometimes, I think, if, if you only know one language, like most of the Americans, uh, Native Americans, not Native Americans, most Americans, <laughs> um, I wish we could, we're live, we can, can we edit that out? No. Uh, it's all good. Um, most of us only know one language. And we don't understand when you're going from one language to another language that not every word is a one-for-one -one equivalent. And so this word temptation has a fullness of a breadth of meaning beyond what we when we think of, of temptation to sin. Um, it, has, it has the idea of, of trial or putting something to the proof, putting to the proof. Um, and so while God doesn't tempt us, he does the work of a, a metalsmith. And, and by that I mean he applies pressure in, in order to, to refine our, our faith and, and, to, and to refine our obedience, to make us, our faith stronger, more durable. And you might think of trials or temptation as a, as a purification process when it comes to, to the way that God leads us. And so verse 13, you could say uh, another translation would be, don't bring us to the time or don't lead us to the time of testing. And this, 
And this even foreshadows Jesus' own time of testing. When he had come to the end of his life, uh, he's in, in the garden. He's about to be betrayed, arrested, crucified. His, his three closest friends are there with him. His other disciples are off a bit further. And he comes to them, and he's in this agony, and they've fallen asleep. Um, and then he tells them in Matthew 26, verse 40, 41, he said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That same word for temptation that Jesus uses in the Lord's Prayer is the same word that he uses here to talk to his disciples. It's like he's saying, watch and pray that you don't fall into the great test or into a great trial. And life, life is full of tests. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation. Help me not be devoured by this time of testing. Uh, one Bible teacher says like this word temptation can be translated as uh, test or even trap. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to translate that because a good test could also be a trap, depending on how we respond to it. It, it depends on you. It depends on your response, whether it becomes a, a trap. So any test can also become a temptation. It depends on you. Um, I don't know if you remember or you currently have a professor or a teacher who likes to give pop quizzes. Yeah. Uh, aren't pop quizzes the worst? Yeah. I mean, they, they, uh, they just reveal what you don't know, right? They reveal that you have been slacking, that you have not been putting in the work. And I, I've heard of uh, this one college professor who liked to give pop tests. In fact, he gave no pre-planned test. But he told the students at the beginning of the semester, you're going to have four pop tests this semester. Like, well, and, and his reasoning was, it's like, I, I know what you normally do is, is you, you don't study much, you don't study much, and it comes time test week, and you're cramming it in, trying to learn it in. It's like, but this material, you have to learn incrementally, and if you're not studying every day, you're not going to be prepared. And so when it came time for the test, those who were prepared and had studied, well, it was a glorious moment, right? <laughs> Victory. I don't know if other people like that, but uh, for most people, those, those tests were not a time of, of victory, but of, of sorrow and, and repentance. And so a test shows you who you really are. And, and if you are out of touch with reality, tests can be devastating. Mm-hmm. And so we pray, lead us not to, to temptation. Don't let my trials, it's a prayer, God, don't let these trials become traps. Don't let, they, don't let this temptation turn into something that is sinful. Deliver me from the tests that are coming. Don't let me be devoured. So, how are you doing? Are, are you going through any tests? Um, anything have you angered? Angered? Anything have you worried? Not sure if you'll have a, a job come Monday morning. Not sure if you'll be able to find toilet paper at the store. Um, I was unsuccessful at King Supers and Sam's this week. Um, are you going through any, any tests? I think it's fair to say that in some capacity, we're all facing a test. Um, so much uncertainty about the future, so much uncertainty about tomorrow. I mean, if, if we're honest with ourselves, the future is always uncertain. 
but we don't we don't think about it that way. Like we we just go through our routine and we assume that things are gonna be are gonna be fine tomorrow. And I I left work on Friday. I'll go to work on Monday. And then we've just even though even though honestly we we've never had any power over what happens tomorrow, right. but now now we're being faced with that reality. Like right. there's just so much that's changing so quickly, and 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 so we have this this test of what um, like we've just been thrown in the deep end, and then we could play the what if game. Or we could let our minds go there, like what if, what if this, or what if that, or what if there's a communal outbreak in the neighborhood, or what if, what if I get sick, what if I lose my job, what if I run out of food? Like these are these are all what ifs. What if I just lick my finger, and we're not supposed to be touching our, our faces to turn my page? Um, what if someone dear to us gets sick, and not the the moderate version, but severely sick? And, and passes away. Um, the very way that we are living our lives and have lived our lives is being challenged. Like nothing that I've ever experienced, uh, and I'm sure many of you have ever experienced. I mean, do you remember the good old days when the 2020 election was all that we, we were concerned about? When partisan politics was what got us upset? I mean, have you heard anything about the election this week? Uh, I mean, just a little bit based on how the administration is handling things, okay. But besides that, like, you know when the next primary is? Where it is? It's like, who, who cares? Really, people still care, but just in general, like it's not at the top of our news feed, it's not on social media every time we open it up. Uh, it's, it's Tuesday, by the way, like Illinois, Florida, Ohio, Arizona, some big, some big states coming up. But we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. We are being put to the test. Our faith is being put to the proof. And so how can we, in the, in the midst of that, make sure that we're not living um, a life of fear, but instead living with hope? Um, how do we overcome these times of trials? And uh, just a couple things, and I'm going I'm to wrap it up real quick, real quick. Because um, the, the first thing I think that is helpful for us is to expect trials. Like, to, to expect them. This prayer itself lends itself to the, to the idea that there are temptations and trials coming. And so uh, Christians should never be shocked. We should never be shocked when we're facing trials. When we're going through a, a rough patch, we should never, uh, we should never be shocked. Um, the, the test that we go through is a circumstance that draws out what's in us. Um, and this coronavirus is, is a threat, no doubt. But if you look back throughout history, it's no different than what generations have faced all throughout history. Right. Um, Seventy years ago, there was a popular post going around on social media. Uh, it's a, a quote by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a, one of the great Christian thinkers of the last century. And 70 years ago, the great fear was atomic bombs, atomic fallout. And people were like, how do we, how do we deal with this? And... Um, and ironically, I think we still face the same threat of atomic bombs. We just, it's just become part of, you know, when was the last time you were scared about an atomic bomb? Uh, really. But he wrote in response to people, like, how do we deal with this? He says, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in the atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in the Viking age when raiders from the Scandinavian might land and cut your throat any night. 
or indeed as you are already living in the age of cancer, syphilis, paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin exaggerating the, the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, they're much more polite back in the day. You and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. I don't know if that's comforting or not. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. We have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. But a certainty. Um, give me like three minutes. I'll jump, I'll jump on that. Take your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, and just a couple of things about as we expect these, these, um, these tests, is that not all of them are obvious. Not all tests are obvious. Most are small, and we don't even consider them as, as temptations. I mean, think about this past week. Did anything irritate you this past week? Did, did anything irritate you this past week? Yeah, yes. um, sure. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in the other room. No, 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 no. We're not talking about um, no comments. Um, but any, so take it like this, any irritation you experience is in itself a, a test. Empty shelves at the store, kids not listening, boss has not given you the, the hours that you wanted, or an event getting canceled. Those are all tests. They're the, every single annoyance, they reveal your heart. They're more than irritations. They're tests. They're opportunities for you to respond with, with grace or with with courage, with, with joy, with hope, or with anger, anxiety, uh, bickering, hoarding. We are supposed to expect them, see them for what they are. They, they keep us accountable. So we shouldn't be blind to the, the small tests that happen to us. Not all tests are small. Uh, the Apostle Peter wrote a letter, and he said, Dear friends, in 1 Peter chapter 4, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So we shouldn't be surprised when we're faced with a, a fiery ordeal, difficult times. And I think a lot of the discouragement we, we go through is not because of the circumstance itself, but our own response to it. Like it's a surprise that we're having trouble. Maybe 50%, maybe 75% of your discouragement comes from, not from the trouble, but just from the surprise of, I can't believe this is happening to me. Yeah. Why is this happening? How can this be? And a lot of the reason you're down in the dumps is not the trouble, but your reaction to the trouble. Christians should not be shocked. We should not be shocked um, okay. when the fiery trial comes. Yeah. Um, and you can, you can put amen down in the comments right there. That's a good place for you to comment. And <laughs> um, our temptation during the ordeal that we're currently facing like our natural response is fear, like yeah. self-preservation, mm -hmm. uh, protect ourselves. When we're threatened, we act accordingly. Yeah. But we aren't called to hoard. We aren't called to hide in our basements. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we don't take precautions. I mean, that's, what, that's why we're doing this. But we know 
that temptations, trials come, and we are not surprised. Um, I'm going to, we got some more to say, but I, like I said, I, I told you I was going to keep it short. I want to, I want to keep, keep with my, uh, what I said. So we should expect trials. We should expect temptations. And then the second thing I want to encourage you with is that you should process your trials through the love of the Father. Like process the trials that we receive through the love of the Father, which is, which is easier said than done. And just remember how this prayer begins. It begins with our Father. And, and that should be what introduces each phrase of this prayer in our minds. Our Father in heaven. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Our Father, your kingdom come. Our Father, your will be done. Our Father, your forgive us. Our Father, lead us not to temptation. And so we're, we're praying this, lead us not to temptation. We're understanding that trials are coming, but we, we go through them through the, the view of our loving Father, our loving Father. Um, you know, when we face trials, there's, there's a few different ways that people will respond, will react. Typically three reactions. One is like an angry despair. Like, I don't deserve this. I've been living right, uh, especially if, if we've been, if we follow God or, or we, you know, we've been going to church or we've been helping out at the shelter or we've donated food to the food bank and then, and then someone in our family gets sick or I could say, I don't deserve this. And so we, we have angry despair is one possibility. A second one is guilty despair, which is the opposite says, no, nah, I deserve this. Like all the, all the names that, that people have called you, like you, you were a failure, like, yeah, I, I deserve this. Another possible reaction is, is hardness, just getting hard, callous uh, to the world. Life stinks, I don't care anymore. It's just, it's just the way it is, indifference. How do you respond? Uh, angry, um, despair, indifferent. You could choose one of those, or you, you could choose to be a Christian. Who knows they're a child of God, adopted by God, not, not because of anything we've done, but because of God's grace. And, and if we get our deep identity from that, then our, our response to trials is completely different. It's completely different. Our response is first, well, I do, I do deserve it. Of course I do. Like I, I've been able to see myself in, in relation to Jesus and see that I am uh, found wanting. I, I deserve this. At the same time, my father, who's adopted me into my family, loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Just meditate on that for a moment, that as, as a child of God, as a believer in Christ, our father loves us. He sees us as he sees his own son. And so what that does is uh, it changes your anger and your guilt. I'm not angry because I deserve it. But I'm not guilty because I know it's not punishment from God because all of my punishment was put on Christ on the cross. And, if, and here's the thing. If God's natural son went through trials, my trials could be a sign that I am also a child of God. That's right. That's good. That's good. And so we, we look to Jesus as we, as we go through these trials. And what, what was his life? I mean, he was often rejected. He, and he'd come to the end of his life and he, he faced the greatest injustice 
ever in humanity, but yet God, he was God's son. And so when we look at our lives, knowing that, and, and as a follower of Christ, it doesn't mean that we don't go through the trials. It doesn't mean that we don't go through the trials. And so you could, you're going to see people go through some trials in the next few weeks. And people are going to watch you go through the trials. And you could have the exact same trial. One person gets angry. One person gets guilty. One person grows hard. And one person responds in joy. How, how are we going to respond as a community? Same test, same circumstances, completely different responses. It's not the circumstances. It's how you process the circumstances. And so we pray, our Father, lead us not into temptation. I'm going I'm to close it up there. And I want to pray for us. I want to pray for you. And as I pray, I want to even step back from the phrase just a little bit more. Lead us not to temptation. We looked at temptation, but at the front end of that was lead us. Lead us. Lead us. It's, it's an acknowledgement that, um, that we, we don't know the answers. We don't know the trials that are coming. But through, through that temptation, that God would lead us. Jesus said that he was the good shepherd. And our, our good shepherd has gone before us. And, and because he has faced the ultimate trial, we know that this prayer has already been answered in Christ. We will be saved from the ultimate trial. We're sheltered from it. We're spared from experiencing its true horrors because there is one who already experienced the ultimate trial. Father, we pray lead us. Lead us not to temptation. And we surrender ourselves to you. We surrender our fear to you. We surrender any anxiousness that we have. We surrender even as the siren is going down the street. Um, we surrender to you. And I ask that you would give us peace you would give us joy and that as we go into this time of testing this time of trial God that what is revealed and what is and what you do in us God would reveal you God, to those around us and we would respond with joy because we know that we know you we know your intentions towards us and, and we walk with Christ and so we're not afraid of, of suffering. Though if you want to keep us from it, that's fine. That's fine. So would you give us strength? Yes. Would you give us hope where there is no hope? Yes. How would you allow us to be a city on a hill in our city, in our neighborhood, with, with our neighbors? Yes. That while we, we walk in wisdom, we don't retreat we don't fear. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Jesus, I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.